Blog Talk Radio. Lardy Miss Clardy. Lardy Miss Clardy. Lardy Miss Clardy. Welcome to the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show for September, excuse me, I keep messing that up as much as possible, but it's October already, the 3rd, 2009. I am your host, Lardy Miss Clardy, and your co-host is Brother Blondie. We're coming at you live right here from Columbus, Ohio, with fresh news on victimization and fraud on Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We have a great show for you this evening, but before we get started, let's lay down some rules. When you are calling to speak on or to give on your comments, you know, please turn down your speakers on your phone. That's all I got to say about that. Now, we have a great show for you this evening. And you know the show is all about child support issues, disability issues, infringements, and judicial misconduct and fraud today. And it may go over some other point on another segment, but for now I have a gentleman that is going to talk to us about his story on what has happened to him. And it's a very tragic story, but It's a very, very educational part and piece that goes with it. So, you know, stay tuned. His name is Kevin Hobson, right here from Columbus, Ohio, and he will be talking with you. So if you have any comments or you have anything you want to talk about, you know, just call in at the call-in number of 347-884-8684 and express yourself. Stand up, speak up, and speak out. Now, you know if you want to contact us by email, you know what it is. Contact wclarty at familiesandvictimsoffraud.com or www.familiesandvictims.com. Or, of course, the number one host, co-host, I can call him those things because I know what he is. You know, you can contact him at brotherblondie at hotmail.com. Now, stay tuned because we will be right back, and we're going to talk on some other subjects, but for right now, stay tuned. We'll be back. They just can't stand no rain or be occasional pain From a man like me who goes against the grain The time to do it in vain So it's the little thing that suddenly ain't missed her It's time for me to explain that I'm flat Cold as a zap, straight from the underground To rebel alone, flat They came to see the maniac psychopath The critics turn to me and the acting man I don't give a damn at his show And when I do a day show, I wear street clothes So they all know me I'm so to the back. The 
the old town, they're backing me up all the way. You know, you gotta let us down. It's from the rap. The rap of the underground. All right, we are back right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show. And, of course, you know that I am Lardy Miss Clardy, your host. Now, you know, there's some breaking news that need to be talked about a little bit. You know how it is when we do what we do. So, you know, I'm going to take and send it right on over there to Brother Blondie so that he can give you the news, the top news of what's going on right here in Columbus, Ohio. You know, and it could be even national for some, if that depends on how you think about it. So, Brother Blondie, to you. You know, first, before you start, though, what was that playing over there? I heard some about some rebel stuff. So, you know, you might want to, like, you know, let us know what it is. Well, you know, uh, Lardy, Miss Clardy, first of all, uh, this is Brother Blondie. And uh, uh, after a three-week leave of absence, I'd like, like to say I'm glad I'm back. Uh, uh, <laughs> and you talk about the three week layover. Oh yeah, uh, that was really something. So you know, I, I'm I'm glad to be back too, you guys. I hope that everybody that are listeners that you know you have had a good uh, Labor Day holiday and vacation because we need it. You know, especially things that go on right here in Columbus, Ohio. We 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 really be like finding things to really bring some good. Uh, issues to you, you know, so you won't feel like you know you're alone and left alone. So, Brother Blondie, I'm glad to see you back. I'm glad to be back, of course, and I'm hoping that you, you all will enjoy this show this evening. Back well, to you, you. Well, you know, you just uh, heard from uh, Tupac Shakur, you know, from his debut 1992 CD, Tupacalypse Now, 
the name of that song, Lordy Miss Claudia, is The Rebel of the Underground. Laura? <laughs> uh, 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 Rebel of the Underground, you know, expressed Tupac's, you know, of course, his longtime anger against uh, law enforcement. And here's one of the reasons why. Uh, this, of course, from CNN.com, of course, you can get on, on Chicago Tribune's uh, uh, website. Uh, the Chicago police asked the public for help Tuesday in finding three more people believed connected in last week's videotape uh, fatal beating of 16-year-old Darian Albert. Uh, with four teens already arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the killing, we are continuing to look for three more additional people in connection with Darian's uh, murder. Uh, you you know, Lardy, Miss Clardy, uh, according to the prosecutors, Albert was just a bystander who ended up in the middle of a street fight uh, two Thursdays ago between two factions of students from Christian Finger Academy High School on Chicago's south side. And uh, you can catch the uh, videotape uh, uh evidence of this killing on CNN.com and ChicagoTribune.com as uh, well as uh, uh, YouTube. And when school let out at 10 till 3, Albert was nearly six blocks away on his way to a bus stop when two groups of students converged on the street. Uh, Tandris uh, Simonton, spokeswoman for the Cook County State Attorney's Office, uh, said the other day, the fact is that one lived near uh, Altgel Gardens Housing Development and one in area known as DeVille, you know, began fighting after a shooting early that day that police called gang-related. Now, this kid was a straight-A honor roll student, innocent bystander, and a lot of people, Lardy, Miss Clardy, uh, aren't stepping forward, uh, you, you know, because of the no-snitching rule. Now, watch this. The what? Wait a minute. Hold up. You said the no snitching rule. Come on, now you know that's that's violating the First Amendment right to have free speech. Well, what I don't understand is how how the hell can it be snitching if it's on videotape? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, uh, uh, as 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 far as the uh, no the the no snitching rule. Let me tell you the financial. Uh, tragedy of this no snitching rule in the city of of Chicago, Illinois. Wait a minute. You might want to even show where this no snitching could possibly, you know, uh, take take its reign right here in Columbus, Ohio, if that gets passed. Well, yeah. Not only uh, not not only that, Lucky Miss Clardy, but but I want to address this one crucial part of the no snitching rule that 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 the other media is not going to to address. Now, this no-snitching rule, Lardy Miss Clardy, has cost Chicagoans a possibly billions and billions of dollars because yesterday at 1230 in, uh, in the afternoon, the Olympic Committee said no to Chicago for its bid for the 2016 Summer Olympics. Now, the Obamas was pleading for, for that to happen. Just imagine how how much that could have uplifted the economy absolutely, in, 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 absolutely. in a country that's, you know, been struggling for the last eight or nine years. 
Now, now, in 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 terms of you, you know, but having said all of that, when the no snitching thing causes possible jobs for 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 everybody, you you you, you know, we 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 know the white folks is going to get those tight jobs, but that could have been a lot of major job openings for African Americans as well, it, it, especially in the South Side of uh, Chicago. And and I'm I'm encouraging you 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 know uh, black folks across the country as well as black folks in Columbus Ohio yes I have to say uh, Columbus re, re, regarding to this afternoon's uh, killing in broad daylight right on out there on Mount Vernon in twentieth I mean oh oh some drugs and, and my thing is and my question is this and I'm gonna let uh, let you get to our feature uh, uh, guest, uh, Wendy, is, is, is I'm encouraging all you young people, wake the hell up and put down those damn guns. It's not worth it. It's, it's, it's useless. It's, it's senseless. It's senseless. And we all, we all want justice for uh, a 16-year-old uh, uh, Darian, Darian Albert. Uh, my, my, my heart goes out to the family, and that's coming from yours truly, Brother Blondie. Thank you, Brother Blondie. That's awesome. That's awesome on the breaking news, and I'm absolutely in agreement with you on that. And as you said before, there has been, you know, even a killing here just last night uh, or yesterday um, where there was a gentleman that was out selling drugs, and some fella bought some drugs from the fella, and he didn't get his drugs because he sold him an empty packet, and he came back with a gun and shot the young man in the neck or the head area, and he died at the hospital. You know, that's what's going on over here, over here at the on in Columbus, Ohio. Then there was also stated that there was a lady that got that got um that got herself, you know, almost raped where, you know, a couple of young boys at gunpoint made her take off her clothes. This was last night and um, and, and, and stripped down because they were going to rape her. Instead, they took and hit her in the head. You know, so I agree with Brother Blondie when we speak on the issues of, you know, hey, we need to stop the violence. And most of all, people, people, we have what you would call a blog talk radio show right here. And right here online, you know, that talks about standing up, speaking up, and speaking out. And it's very, very important, you know, for those to get up on this show. You got some, some, something to talk about, and it's real to you. Uh, by all means, let's talk it over. That's what we're out here to do. We're here to help. Now, getting back to. Uh, our our feature uh, guest here today, his name is Kevin Hobson. And, you know, the story that we're talking about where you've got fraud going on with the Social Security, you know, child support fraud, you know, all kinds of infringements going on with, the, you know, with the judicial system and its fraud issues and its misconduct. You know, we have a gentleman that is here this evening that wants to talk to us about what is going on in his life? Now I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm gonna tell you a little bit about him, and then I'm gonna let him get on to to the show and 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 let's let's talk about this. And you know, and if you have any 
any any kind of comments that you want to put towards this, uh, again, you can call us while we're live here on the show at 347-884-8684, or you can contact Brother Blondie at brotherblondie at hotmail.com, or you can contact your co- your host, which is myself, you know, at wclarty at familiesandvictimsoffraud.com, or you can even get onto the website. You can contact me there, which is www.familiesandvictimsoffraud.com. And, and, and give us your support. Tell us what you think about this story. And if you've got a story similar to this, you should make it be known so that it can get talked about. You know, we do believe in our research, so, you know, definitely you can't come on with something that don't have no substance, of course. But we're all here to find a solution to the problem. So in getting back to Kevin Hobson, here here I have with me, he is a 45-year-old black male, educated, you know, with 11th-year 11th uh, education with a GED. He was born in Brooklyn, New York. He also served in the military, okay, with an honorable discharge. His occupation was transportation and current status now he is disabled. He is on Social Security at this time. And now he has moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, excuse me, but he was living here through 1987 to 2002 right here in Columbus, Ohio. And his primary issues was erroneous child support orders, illegal seizures of Social Security benefit and bank accounts, multiple suspensions of commercial driver's license due to erroneous court orders, violations of two federal disability acts, and his 14th Amendment right, which was afforded to him by the Constitution. He says that these actions have caused him great stress and emotional anguish, causing a preliminary diagnosis of post-traumatic traumatic stress disorder. And he's saying these are just a few of the issues that he has concerns about. And, you know, he's also suffered from abuse authority, falsification of court documents and all the such, and, as we just said, judicial misconduct. So, you know, I am going to... Um, let him speak to you all about his story. And, again, if it's interesting to you, you know how to call on the phone and give you comments. It is 347-884-8684 right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show. Kevin, are you there? Yes. Uh, thank you, Miss Clyde. How are you today? Well, I am fine, and I am glad that you are here on the show today. We are sorry about, you know, the, the mess up that happened, you know, a week ago Saturday. Of course, we did have an equipment failure problem, you know, and again, and I apologize to you listeners out there because of that. But, you know, we are back on the show, and we're back in stride again to bring you the best of what we have in current news, you know. And to you, brother, you know, um, I have I have done my research on all your documents, you know, that you have presented to me. And I commend you in, trying, in, in staying in the fight. As we said before, this comes from both. Brother Blondie and myself, that people need to stand up, speak up, and speak out, you know, and, and they need not to not to lose faith because, you know, of course, you're going to have people that's going to try to stop you 
from, you know, uh, getting justice. But the point is, is if you know that you have done nothing wrong, you can't do nothing but keep fighting until somebody hears you and you have found a way to get to me. First of all, I want to find out how did you learn of the, the Lardy Miss Cardi blog talk radio show? Where were you at the time? And wh- why did you want to be heard you know, and, and, and I sense the anger of, you know, the injustice that you have went through, you know, and the opportunity have come to share this this experience. And people, you know, uh, I will say this, that this could happen to you. Am I right, Brother Kevin? Uh, yes. Uh, thank you, Lottie, Miss Cloudy, Brother Blondie. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to have this forum and uh, get the chance to tell my story. You see, this all began back in 1994 where I was married and, you know, the marriage came to an end and we ended up in divorce court. Mm-hmm. And, you know, went through all the procedures that's the way you're supposed to. Uh, we had two small children at the time. They were the ages of uh, 18 months and four months old when we filed for divorce. And, you know, I went through all the procedures. And now, mind you, this is back in 1994, at a time when where many years had passed where, you know, a lot of fathers had failed to step up to the plate and take responsibility for their children. But at that time, you know, I, I was never one of those. I'm not a deadbeat dad. And early in 1994, in the Senate, there was a bill being passed or written known as the Shared Parenting Plan. It hadn't even become a law. And here in the state of Ohio, it was still in the Senate, you know, attempting to be passed to become part of uh, the domestic judicial system as it pertained to divorce. And the shared parenting plan is, at the time, was something that was new to where they feel that, you know, a child needs both parents, the stability of both parents. You know, regardless of the situation between a mother and a father, or a relationship that's gone bad, regardless of your race or your level of income or education, your children need both parents. And that was the purpose of the shared parenting plan being made into effect because over the years it seems as though the system only simply wanted, you know, to award the mother custody of the children and basically make the father you know, a system, uh, 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 a structure of financial support for the children. I want to ask this question to you, Kevin. Um, as 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 you were saying that they had came up with this share parenting plan. Okay, does the mother and the father have to pay child support to one another? Or 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 is it in some way if the income is equal? in the share plan, you know, uh, do they do they make it where you don't pay child support anymore? Well, that's a good question, Ms. Claudia. Actually, it depends on the structure of the shared parenting plan. For instance, in my case, we had equal time because, you know, in fact, as I was saying, the father has just as much input, you know, on the upbringing of a child in its formidable years as the mother. Children need both parents. So in my case, we had equal time, equal shared parenting time as part, of, like, as part of the visitation. For instance, her week began Monday, Tuesday. 
Okay, even okay. though that you had the equal share plan, the question that I wanted to propose to you, you know, do do the parents have to pay child support to one another or because it's a shared plan, you know, and you have equal time that you don't and your incomes are equal, do they pay child support or do they not? In your case, did you have to pay child support? Okay, Al. In my case, due to the fact that we had equal income, equal earnings, no, there was no support order issued because of the equal earnings and the equal time spent with the children. Okay. Now, um, the question, you know, uh, okay, after you all got this this shared plan, okay, was there any point in time that even, even, well, I guess the question should be this. What made you angry? Not so much, we know about the shared plan, but what made you angry to want to come and tell what has happened to you? Now, the question that I'm going to ask you is, when did you get custody of your children? What happened that caused you to get custody? You know, okay, you had share plant, you weren't paying no child support, both of you. How did she end up paying child support in uh you know, in in, in the case? Uh and then Judge Priest, who is the court uh judge here in Columbus, Ohio, found that, you know, that that it was it wasn't uh, fair, perhaps you know, or appropriate that she should pay child support, uh, and then and that you had asked for the custody of the kids, okay, because she had left town, okay. How did how did at that point what caused you to be angry after getting custody? Was it because you had lost the custody behind something, and that's when, you know, Social Security, child support, or whatever all started coming into play that caused you to go on this 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 mission to uh, to be heard? What happened? What made you upset? I, I, I want to get to the meat of it. What made you upset? And we got uh, three minutes before we do a break. Okay, and then we'll come back to it. But I really want to know what what made you upset. What made you, made you come on to the show to well, want to tell it? What really got up under my skin, where I could no longer tolerate what was going on with the system, is the fact that equal protection of the law didn't seem to apply to me because of the gender biased practices that take place in the family court system. Now, what do you mean when you say gender biased practices? Well, what it seems to be what you would normally think is good for the goose is good for the gander. That doesn't apply when it comes to family court. It, it's 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 gender biased. Mother has certain advantages, or and the father is placed under certain disadvantages. In other words, they uphold the law for her, but not for him. So therefore, you know, after years and years of this type of injustice, you know, and, and abuse and and you know, financial hardship, I, I needed to be heard. Something needed to be done about it. So what did they do to you that made you want to be heard? 
what what was it that happened? What happened? What did they do to you? Specifically, what did they do to you to cause you to want to be heard? Well, specifically, um, you know, they had erroneous court orders against me. They now, and when you talk of erroneous court orders, you're going to have to be specific because, okay, it's one thing to be practical with what you're saying, but it needs to be to the point of why. There was something, now I read in the report, you know, where you were able to get in 1994 and then uh, you were able to get a, you know, from Judge Priest, okay, you know, to sustain on you having custody of those kids. And, you know, and that the modification of the shared plan was modified in your behalf. But after you got custody, okay, what happened that caused you to get angry? Was the kids taken because you got sick, you know, and then that's when havoc came or what? Now, that's something to think about, and we're going to go to this, we're going to go to this, uh, this break, and we'll be right back so that you can explain that, okay? Okay, Ms. Clary, thank you.
We are back right here on the Lordy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show, and we have our guest, which is Kevin Hobson, that is that is telling his story about what has happened to him in 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 in, in the child support case, uh, the disability infringements, and the judicial misconduct and possible fraud. Now he alleges a lot of things that is being said here and only he would know these things because they happened to him. And when when I say I I'm he's alleging, you know, we don't want to put it out there, you know, hey, you know, it is what it is, but you know, of course we want to use the word allege because uh there's always room for it to be more and we'll contact you with that later, you know, but for right now, you know, he's telling a story that uh, has happened to him, which have, uh, you know, just not only hurt him as a man, but, you know, hurting physically, mentally, and emotionally. So, you know, all those those men that are out there that have issues that's going on with the, with the court system, with the divorce system, and with child support system, and possibly, you know, you end up on Social Security, you know, you need to keep in contact and 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 tell us something about that because you know that can be a systemic problem anywhere where you live. You know, um, again, Kevin Hobson, you know, thank you again for coming on to the Lardy Miss Party Blog Talk Radio Show to tell your story. And as I had left it off, you know, was to uh, tell us, you know, what made you angry or or what happened? Let's start at where you know your 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 ex-wife uh, decided that you know she wanted to leave town. You know, I do know that when I read on the decree, you know that it is stated. You know, and this is in the share plan decree as well, or that amended share plan that a person when they take and they leave that they have to send a letter of intent to relocate outside of Ohio. Um, file with the court, okay, you know, and if there's any child support that might be involved in it, you have to tell them the same, you know. So there had to be a letter of intent. Did she write a letter of intent or she she just jumped up and just left? And, you know, and that's where all, you know, things started to fall, you know, as or trickle-down domino effect from what she had did. But definitely I see uh, in your shared plan that, 
any any one of you, if you decided to go, you know, or leave to go out of town and leave, you have to have a letter of intent to relocate, and it has to be filed through, you know, the Ohio courts uh, um, for for that action to be sustained. You know, so tell us tell us tell us about this story, Kevin. Well, thank you, Miss Cardi, and and that's exactly it. You you talked about the relocation notice that would have to be filed if one of the parents decided to move the children out of state. However, the shared parenting plan prevented that. See, that made that obsolete. You know, with the shared parenting plan, neither parent was allowed to relocate. In fact, see, I'm not originally from Columbus, Ohio. Therefore, you know, there was, a, you know, an opportunity where I may have wanted to leave, but I couldn't. That was due to the shared parenting plan. It is impossible to institute a shared parenting plan with parents in two different states. This is only something that can work when both parents live in the same city, preferably close by, so that it doesn't interrupt with, you know, the child going to school or medical care or just even established friendships that children form as they grow up. So this was in actually 1995 when the mother decided that things wasn't going well for her here in Columbus, Ohio. So during her brief period of visitation, she just decided to pack her things with the children and take off to the state of Georgia without any notice to me or definitely without giving relocation notice to the court because it would not have been granted. This took place in September of 1995. Uh, she just took off, no notice. I didn't have any type of contract, contact number or address. I did know that they were in the state of Georgia in the city of Atlanta. Um, so at that time, I filed a motion of contempt. And, you know, I, I had to locate them and, and do all these things. So at the time, you know, she took them to Georgia and was able to register my daughter, who at the time was old enough to attend school, but my son wasn't. She was able to do this without the proper documentation. You see, the idea that she could come from out of nowhere, which is one of the biased practices that take place in the family court system where the mother can seem to go anywhere and, you know, put a child in school and they never question the custody status of a mother. To whereas even during the time once I regained custody, everywhere I went, which even included to take the children to the doctor, I had to be able to prove that I had legal custody of these children. But to get back to the issue, the mother was able to take the children out of state, register them in school, and upon my filing for this contempt motion, I was told I had to wait for the end of the school year in order for anything to be done. Okay, that's fine. That I did. And in filing this motion, um, the mother came back. By the way, had I done an act like that, it would have been considered kidnapping. I would most likely have been placed on a milk carton, whereas when the mother did it, it is known in the legal terms as abscond, you know, as if they're actually property and, you know, not living beings. You know, when you say abscond, you think of two people in business together and one guy say, I'm taking my jackhammer, you know, because I paid for it, but it's in your garage. Where it would be breaking an entry, it, they would call that abscond. So the idea that they attached this to your children, the term of scon, when in reality it was kidnapped. 
So that prevented, you know, that alone was the first blow to, you know, my ego, my emotions, and just the whole idea of how, wow, is this system really fair? You know, what was the purpose of, you know, going through nine months of litigation, you know, that, which led to before you got a final decree, the things that you have to do? What happened? Um, you know, after you did the, after you did your, your, your contempt order and they finally did decide, you know, to do about that after the school year, what happened after that? Well, actually what I did was something similar to what the mother did. I played dirty pool. I filed a motion to, for visitation and actually had to go down at my expense to the state of Georgia, pick the children up, and bring them back to Ohio. But once I did that, what I did was drop the contempt motion, which therefore brought the case back to the original decree, which says the children belong in the state of Ohio in Franklin County and not to be removed. That was a smart move. And, okay, and, and even after that was done, um, I, I think that I have read in 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 uh in this in this report that was given that uh that you were granted you know to have the children at that point and that at one point she was paying child support um and the judge that you were in front of which was supposedly to be uh judge priest um you know uh made a a a determination that even though that she was was to pay some child support, that it wasn't really appropriate, uh, at, and that she shouldn't be paying child support at this time because you know of her income situation, and and I saw where she had sustained in your behalf to be the uh, the resident parent and also to have the custody of the children, uh, as you were saying, where they were back in, you know, Columbus, Ohio, where they belong. Um, and that uh, I also saw that at that particular time you too had went through an income change um, where, you know, you was now on disability due to a diagnosis of, you know, AIDS, of course, of course, you know, that that was stated in, in that report and that you were, um, and that you had the children and that, you know, you wanted to be the sole residential parent and the legal custodian of the kids and that the kids live with you in your Columbus and that she sustained that, which that was awesome. You know, you know I guess the question would be is, um, so, what, okay, after you got that justice, what brought on another injustice that made you feel as though that, uh, you know, there was another unfair exchange that had happened to you? Was it because, you know, you decided to leave, you know, to go to Utah with the kids or, you know, the kids were taken somehow, you know, and put back into her custody and then something else came in the picture after then? Can you, can you explain those things? Well, yes, Ms. Clark. See, actually, um, the issue on the support order where she should have been ordered to pay support, well, and, you know, back to the, the gender bias practices that take place, the mother never had been ordered to pay support. See, the thing is that, you know, in, in a case of support, you know, usually they, they say to the obligor, you have to prove your income. 
show us what you got. Well, they never did that to her. You know, she just told them that she wasn't employed, but when in reality, she actually was. So at that time, you know, as long as it, it wasn't about the money, it was about the relationship with my children. So I was granted custody of them, so I did the right thing and just went on. I, I didn't argue the child support issue. So this was from 96 until 2001 where I maintained custody of the children. I never received a child support payment even though the mother was working. See, this was more of the, in, in particular, Judge Dana Priest, who happens to be one of the worst when it comes to gender-biased judgments and practices in her courtroom, decided that the mother didn't have to pay any child support. However, from a visit, you know, I took the children to visit their mother. In fact, it had been a number of years since they had seen her. And, you know, I, my own goodness of my heart, you know, my daughter was getting older. You know, I took them to spend the summer with their mother, the summer of 2001. And while they were there, it was quite obvious that she badgered them and, you know, don't you want to live down here with mommy and, you know, all those things. So when my children called and, and said to me, Daddy, could we stay here with mommy, you know, I, I, I allowed it. I, I told them yes. Okay, there is a question. And then Brother Blondie have a short question as well. Uh, the question that I'm going to ask is this. Now, even though that, you know, as you being the sole resident parent and you're on the shared plan, and even though that the kids, you know, was asking you for, you know, to stay with mommy, was there any point in your mind that, you know, you weren't supposed to go or deviate away from the plan? You know what I'm saying? Because when you gave that okay, it would seem as though that what you did was uh, forfeited your right, you know, because of a deviation from the shared plan, you know, uh, protocol. You know, so I'm asking you, could, you know, that have been one of the effects that might have caused you, you know, a small dilemma, or it's a big dilemma to you, but because you okayed it without going back to court based upon what the mother, well, I don't care how much the mother was badgering the kids to talk to you about getting with them, but that, you know, you as being the sole residential parent that was given all the rights at that point, you know, and you was on a shared plan and that you had to go by this specific, you know, uh, uh, agreement here between you and the courts and the mother, you know, had it dawned on you at any point, you know, uh, before you said yes and deviated from the plan that could have forfeited your right as according to that plan, you know, could it have been more for you to have went to court and 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 ask for the modification to have them switched over as a yes. Then rather you just make that point. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that and that's a good point. But in reality, if you read the modification that we had made during uh, April of 1996, within that modification, it said that if at any time there would be a change in status or custody of the children. It would be the mother's responsibility to notify the court and make all legal changes, which she failed to do. She did not do. Okay, that is a point 
well made. Now, Brother Blondie, I'm going to shoot it to you because you have a question to ask uh, Brother Kevin. And we're going to let you speak. There's one minute before we need to go to a break, and then we'll be back more on this story from Kevin Hobson. Well, you know, uh, uh, Kevin, my uh, uh, question is, well, well, I want to start off by saying I have some evidence myself that supports your gender bias story because I have worked with uh, fathers for uh, uh, justice here locally in in uh, Columbus. And one of the gender bias that that I have is now you pointed out that she took uh, took away the kids, kids, and you know the parent. Uh, you, you said the judge did not call it kidnapping. Now here's where I guarantee you the judge would have considered it kidnapping in your case. Had you been married or remarried, and your uh, child mom uh, did that. They, they definitely would have called that uh, kidnapping because one of the complaints that uh, Father Justice has in terms of gender bias, the only time the judge favors the, the uh, father, it, uh, favors, uh, favors the uh, uh, father, is if the uh, uh, father has either married or, or, or remarried. Do you, my question uh, uh, to, to you is, uh, if you have been married or remarried and been in the exact same uh, situation now, do you feel your uh, uh, child's mom would have gotten away with the things uh, she has gotten away with that far? Yes, I do. Without a doubt. No question about it. it, it, it that, that does not protect you. I mean, there was a written court order that was automatically violated. and. It doesn't matter whether I, whether I was single or cohabitating. There was a standing court order. What she did broke the modification that we had already had done. Oh, uh, uh, right. I, and, and I do agree with those, those aspects. But my question is, is, uh, is you, you know, I know the uh, court order says that, you know, she, she violated the that you see a lot of this party. But but I want to know because our male audience really needs to uh, know this. Uh, do you feel your mom that the judge would have protected you more personally had you been a married man or a remarried man? No I don't. I do not think really no I don't. I, I do not believe that it would have made any difference and what they allowed the mother to get away with. The gender bias practice would not have changed. Okay, we're going to come back. You know, we need to take a break right now. Now, this is really serious stuff, you know. I'm hoping that you're enjoying what you're listening to, but I'm hoping that you're going to get something out of this too, you know. So we really do thank your listeners out there for listening to this segment that we are live on at this moment. But definitely we'll be right back with more Kevin Hobson on his story about his life uh, in the judicial system and where this play into, you know, him being with, you know, dealing with Social Security and tax fraud issues as well. So, you know, we'll just be back and we'll talk more on it. Just, just stay tuned. 
Oh, yeah. That's some nice laid-back music for your ears, y'all. And a lot of time for reflecting on the things that we just got finished talking about. You, We are back right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Show, and I am your host, Lardy Miss Clardy. And I am going to shoot it through to Brother Blondie to tell us what was that playing and also to uh, give his... You know, just just more in the, just to hear his voice because he's got a wonderful voice. So you know, brother Blondie, just tell us something. We want to hear know, you. We know, Lardy, Miss Clardy, you uh, heard the uh, you just heard the sounds from Floetry, taking you back to 2003. And the name of that jam is called Floetic, uh, Floetic. And the uh, song you heard before that on the previous music break, it was a Wendy Clardy personal favorite recording artist. That was Barry White. And the time is right. And Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. You're saying the time is right. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Brother Blondie. Boy, you know, this man can be really, really thoughtful, and he is. I'm just saying that, you know, but he's really a thoughtful man. Thank you very much for and, that. Uh, a very important public service announcement real quick, Lardy, Miss Clardy. The Phi Eta Omega chapter of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated presents the 2009-2010 Bettelian Program. The Bettelian Program is for young African-American males who are juniors and seniors in high school. The goals of the program are to recognize the achievements of young African-American males as a community, to inspire and stimulate further growth, academic excellence, community service learning, and leadership development, and also to enhance the sense of civic responsibilities and to promote higher education through scholarship opportunities. And for more information, you can contact Africa Offsup at area code 614-751-9996. That's Africa Offsup at area code 614-751-9996. And and I and you know, I want to get back to uh you uh, Mr. Mr. Hobson, uh, I want to ask you this interesting question. How much did race play a part? Now, I, I want you to follow me on this, uh, Lardy, Miss Clardy. How much you want to bet that his baby's mom, his uh, kid's mother said, said to the judge, look, uh, Mr. Hobson, Lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, and don't play for the Jazz. So you, 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 you know, you know, my kids belong to me. Me. Uh, how uh, how big of a part you you feel, uh, uh, Mr. Hobson? Uh, do you feel that race, along with uh, gender, we 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 know gender plays a huge part, but because of your location, because we know ain't. Ain't too many black folks who live in Salt Lake City. How 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 much you felt that played a part in terms of your location? Well, brother Blondie, uh, I have no doubt race played a major role in what was done to me. However, you know, not just because I live in Salt Lake City, but because this is the way things are done here in America. You know, the idea that Today, a black man is the leader of the free world, but we're also still at the bottom of the totem pole system of justice, which originated right here in the good old U.S. of A. 
Okay, so the black man has always been on the bottom of the totem pole system of justice, and if we don't stand up, speak up, and do something about it, we will remain at the bottom of the totem pole system of justice. That is part of the change that has to take place. But in reality, this is also a gender problem because it happens to men of every race. And the real problem is your economic status. If you can't afford to pay $175 an hour for one of the top-notch divorce attorneys in America, you don't stand a chance in a court of law. Um, um, and one more quick uh, point, Mr. Hobson. Uh, uh, the reason why I, I asked you earlier about the uh, uh, gender bias, because I saw a case in uh, right here in, in Columbus, Ohio, it, it happened eight years ago where a male was in a child custody case uh, with his uh, daughter's uh, mom. Mom, she ended up with sole custody because she got a new man and got married. And they had, and he was ordered to supervise uh, uh, visitation. And he fought for two years to get that uh, supervised visitation uplifted. Now, as soon as he got married himself, all of a sudden, the judge uplifted the, the, the supervised visitation station and all of a sudden gave him joint, joint custody. My question to, to you, though, is, Mr. Hobson, do you feel that in child custody cases, the judicial system definitely favors the married parent over the single parent? Well, actually, Brother Blondie, yes, I do. Um, and in, in reality, it should, that shouldn't play a part. It's about the love and the support and, and, you know, just the overall time spent, quality time spent that you have with your children. You see, especially, you know, like my children, they have my name. Their last name is Hobson. They'll never know what it's like to be a Hobson if they're not going to be taught by a Hobson. And the only Hobson that they would really know is me. That was a name by marriage that their mother took, which, by the way, I got back during, you know, after the divorce. But, um, yes, that does seem to play a role, but it shouldn't play a role because look how long it's been where they allowed just the single mother to raise the child. So what, what's the difference with a single father? Or why should his uh, privileges or relationship with his children be interrupted or, better yet, why can't he have uh, uh, equal and uninterrupted with his children without having to have a spouse? I, want, I just want to jump in there real quick and, and maybe do a small comment to that. You know, um, you know it, it, it is a hard thing to believe that, you know, you have some judges that are in the judicial system that are impartiality, you know, when it comes to female and male gender bias issues and that, you know, uh, and that, you know, that role plays such a hardship on our males. You know, um, as far as I can remember, you know, I, you know, I live right here in a community, you know, where there is low-income women young women with children that can't even have their fathers living with them in the home because if that happens, you know, the rent will go up and, you know, and perhaps, you know, uh, again, that will cause an issue, you know, because you know, 
income does play a, a big role on uh, people being able to take care of their families. But, you know, where you have um, 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 structured uh, uh, subsidized housing that's just for women and children and where the fathers, you know, at some point can't even really uh, come in and step in to 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 be fathers of in their homes because of of income issues because if that goes you know the father get a job the rent go up the woman gets off welfare you know and you know there will be less and less and less and that creates a problem but I do see where you know right here where I live at right here in the community in a apartment complex where I watch you know most of the the mothers without the fathers of their children and what effects that that have on, you know, a family because without having the both, you know, uh, the child cannot live what you call a balanced life in, in thought process, you know, and, 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 I, and, I, and I sympathize with you at what you are going through with that. And I would say that our system when it comes to minority races, you know, play this divide and conquer thing where the black man, you know, ends up being the one that's left out. Now, not that they can't, you know, do their jobs, but it makes them angry and not want to do their job because, you know, there's so many red tapes and strings that's attached to that, you know, it makes it almost impossible to step up to the plate as being a true father to, you know, their children or to the family that they have created. I I, I understand what you're saying. That's just a, a comment to that, you know, and I hope that you all that's out there that's listening to me that I didn't sound, you know, um, you know, scatterbrained speaking on that, you know. Go ahead, Brother Blondie. Uh, and, and I also want to address this uh to, to you, Mr. Uh, uh, Hobson, uh, you, you you know I noticed you you contacted uh, Brian Holiday, you you, you also uh, 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 contacted Paul Fisher, you, you, you've also contacted the ACLU and you you know other organizations that that, that can help you. Well, I'm going to give you a another option that you know can can possibly. Uh, help you out, and that's the organization where I'm glad to be the vice president, and Tyrone Thomas is the uh, uh, president. Uh, tomorrow at uh, 3 p.m. at 899 East Broad Street in uh, Columbus, Ohio, the Black Anti-Defamation Council will will hold its uh, uh, meeting. Now, now after our um, uh, meeting, I, I will have you uh, speak with, with Brother uh, uh, Tyrone Thomas. Because he's he's very good in uh, uh, making the pushing the the envelope, and at least uh, they, he he can make uh, these these important people uh, listen to uh, to your story as you continue to uh, 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 stand up, speak up, and, and and speak out. But I but I want to uh, start this off again, Lardy Miss Clardy, and, and and I know I keep bringing this up, and I'm sounding like a broken record, but I want to hear this in your words, uh, 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 Kevin. How do you feel when the judicial system uh, seems to favor a married parent, even though uh, society is mainly a a single-parent world? Because what I'm saying is, uh, Kevin, 
anybody, male or female, can walk into the courtroom and say, Your Honor, this is my brand new spouse. I want custody. And it's automatically granted. No questions asked, no ifs, ands, or buts. You don't have to take any parenting classes. You don't have to take sensitivity training classes when uh, when you marry. Do you feel that 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 type of scenario should be changed? Should the judge? Do you feel the judge should make married parents as well as uh, take the exact same uh, parenting classes and sensitivity training classes that single parents take? Uh, well, yeah, brother Bonnie. Actually, I do. You see. That it makes no sense for you know when they make those type of decisions to automatically think that a stranger could come in to replace a father or a mother. You know, it's the whole idea that they would rather you know replace you, but it's really about your you know you being a, a payee that you paying into their system that you make sure that. They get money from you so that they can have their federal reimbursement. They don't really have concerns about your children. You know, it's not their children that's going through this. And most of the time, these are low-income people, people who really can't afford to fight this system. So, you know, and it's not a matter of race. It's about if you don't have the means to address it, they will take advantage of you. They will violate your rights. There are certain inalienable rights that we are all entitled to, and unless you can be deemed unfit, I mean, there's no reason for them to make those type of decisions, yet they do. I have a question, Brother, Brother Kevin, for you. Um, how did it hurt you financially, even though that you are on disability? How did this whole situation, how the system is set up to take away, you know, not only just a right to right to have life or to live, but how did this affect you in terms of with your disability money, uh, you know, where did it go, how, how far did it go in the tax evasion type thing to seize money? You know, and, 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 you know, even though I know that you've got other mothers that you done had children by, you know, and in this case you're not paying child support over here on this side, but I also see that you had a couple of mothers, you know, that you have to pay child support to. And on any of it I have saw in that report or the what you call uh, – the uh, shared parent plan where it was in bold letters that despite, you know, of whatever, you must report all of your current address information, whatever, driver's license, whatever, regardless of what situation it's in because that was in bold. And I took that as in any case you got children, you know, that you ought to make sure that child support knows what's going on at all times, where you live, where you're going, where you've been, and you got your driver's license, tell us if you change that, whatever it is, your current information and status. Um, and I want to know, you know, without without revealing the other women involved in this story, but aligning up with, 
you know, how child support also runs deep, you know, to come over and try to affect you with your disability check, you know, uh, knowing that they all know that you're going through a a health issue, which is, you know, I don't like to, you know, put it out there, but perhaps you will do that, you know, how it affects you as far as, you know, to get your medication, where does this tax thing, how they're able to do that, and why and how do you feel as though that it has attacked, attacked your disability act rights? Well, you see, in that circumstance, um, as you mentioned, there's other women that I have children with. Um, you see, child support is to be paid uh you know, equally. For instance, for each child, it should be an equal amount of income to be paid to them from what your gross earnings are. Now, the idea that at the time when I was granted Social Security, all of these children fell under what's known as uh, dependent benefits. Therefore, at no point in time should I have really ever been ordered to pay child support. There should have never been a child support order issued against me. But being the way the system works, and, you know, with in the case of these other two women who applied for public assistance, you know, they automatically applied for public assistance uh, at the same time with Social Security paying them these benefits, the Child Support Enforcement Agency automatically found me to be in a rearage in arrearage for child support that I never owed because there had always been benefits available for the children from the time of their birth. They suspended my commercial driver's license not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, all for child support that I never owed. At no time was I ever in arrearage for this child support, yet um, while trying to address it and explain to them you know, listen, I have other children. These children were always getting benefits. You know, they were telling me I was wrong. No, that's not exactly how it works, when in reality that is how it works. These benefits were available for these children from the day that they were born. Their mothers were aware of it. And in one circumstance, or actually two, the mother had always got the benefits for the child from the time he was born, yet... Due to the fact that she was also getting public assistance, whether it was the food stamps or the, or the Medicaid card, they chose to charge me with child support as if I had never paid a dime. In fact, at one point, one of the children were actually living in my home from his time of birth, yet they charged me a rearage from his time of birth. I, uh, hold on. I I got to cut in on this. You mean to tell me you had custody and still had to pay child support? Explain, sir. A minute. Before you explain that, I want to find out, you know, were you on disability at the time that it was done? Then answer Brother Blondie's uh, assertion. Well, Ms. Claudia, yes, I was on disability at the time this was done before the child was born. They, I mean, in fact, I had even signed the paperwork and informed them in person that I was, that there were disability payments for the child. But that's, that they, they, they don't listen to that. That's not what they, they, they prefer to tell me 
that I was wrong. No, that's not how it's done. You know, in fact, when it comes to Social Security, I cannot apply for benefits for these children. It's up to the mother. I couldn't do it if I wanted to. So it's always up to them. So the idea that there's those benefits sitting there waiting for this child, instead you chose to go down to the Department of Health and Family Services or, you know, and and get your, your, your food stamp card and all these other things, and this automatically sends that trigger for them to suspend my license and to, you know, place a support order on me, which in reality, by law, says that they should not have done it. Brother Blondie, now what was your question to him again? Propose that question one more time. Well, I I, I wanted to, uh, I might, you know, my jaw dropped when I heard him say that even though he had custody, he was still receiving, uh, he, he was he still had to pay child support. And, and, and I feel if ever, you, now our show, we, we always talk about fraud. Uh, if, if, if ever there was a, a scenario that clearly proves child support fraud, this is it. You actually had custody of a child and still had to pay child support. What, how, how angry were you when you learned that, that you had custody? But see, my point with that, with that child, you know, um, the, the Social Security records will show that this child was in my home when every payment was being received by his mother, who was also in the same home with me. Yet the Patriot Act prevents me from accessing those records to show them that I had always paid child support and that I should have never been charged the rearage for this child. Uh, and and on that uh, no, I, I I have to ask one one more uh, very very important uh, uh, question, and I'll and I'll lead all all, all the questions uh, uh, right, and I lead all the questions to. Uh, to, to you, Lord, uh, Lord of this party. And, and, you know, Kevin, if, if I'm insistent in any way, uh, shape, uh, shape, shape, or please feel free to uh, uh, say it. Earlier in the uh, program, Lord of this party mentioned that you're uh, that you're sick. How hurtful is it knowing that you're sick, knowing that you can die at any minute, and yet the mother of your uh, children is showing this type of insensitivity towards you, uh, being being hateful, uh, uh, being de- uh, uh, de- deceiving uh, against a man like yourself who has not only followed the Wendy Party playbook to stand up, speak up, and uh, speak out, but you but, but you also have one of the few uh, uh, fathers in the United States who has actually uh, stepped up to the plate. How, uh, how, uh, how hurtful is, is all this? Well, Brother Blondie, it's extremely hurtful. But first and foremost, I'd like to say this. 
having HIV or AIDS is no longer a death sentence. In fact, I've been infected for almost 25 years. You see, th that's the whole point, though. See, that is the malicious behavior, the maliciousness behind what this woman is doing. And in her mind, and the way she tried to convince people that, oh, he's dying, this is why he's doing that. No, that is not the case. You see, today, with the advancements made in medication, without risk factors, see, for one, I'd like to state, I'm not an IV drug user, and the idea that I don't father children with three different women, I'm not, I don't have any homosexual practice. However, you know, my risk factors are nil. I, I, I never had these risk factors. And the idea that I'm going on almost 25 years living with this virus, you know, in fact, some, this is my point. These mothers were aware of the situation, or else these children wouldn't be alive. There's a certain type of prenatal treatment that a mother must go through in order for the child to be born and live, you know, make it through mortality rate for children born from mothers with HIV or AIDS. And it's quite obvious they were aware of the disability and, and the disability payment. And you're right, you stated it right. It's almost as if, you know, there's one mother in particular who is actually doing this with, with that in mind. She did all these things to me because she had it in her mind that I was dead and gone now and unable to address it. Which brings me to another point and another law that's being terribly trapped. It's called the Hate Crime Act. The 1999 Hate Crime Act prevents that type of behavior towards people with HIV and AIDS to, to take place. When you act out against a person who has HIV or AIDS because of the 1999 Hate Crime Act makes that a felony offense. And that's another law that has failed to protect me. And once again, we go back to my 14th Amendment rights being totally trampled. Is it because I'm a black man? Is it because I have HIV AIDS? Or is it because I'm just dealing with a crooked, incompetent system that we have right here in America? John and Kate plus <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm telling you, this is going to ha we're going to have this conversation again next week. Now, Kevin is not going to be right here in 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 our presence with this, but he's going to call back onto the phone, and we're going to pick up where we left off on this conversation because more to come. If you find that this is an interesting story for you and you want to come in on and have a conversation on this, please do so. You can call in at the call-in number of 347-884-8684, uh, or you can email Brother Blondie at, you know, brotherblondie at hotmail.com, or you can even contact me, yours truly, Lardy Miss Clardy, at wclardy at familiesandvictimsoffraud.com or at www.familiesandvictimsoffraud.com. I have a website. Go on up there. You know, uh, send me, drop me a line, anything. You know, but if this is an interesting story, we're going to have this story again next week because we're not finished with our guest, 
Kevin Hobson because there's more that need to be talked on, okay? So we're going to continue this, but for now we got to go because, you know, time is almost up. But definitely, you know, i got something that I want you all all to listen to. You know, while Lardy Miss Clardy was on her vacation, she went off somewhere and decided to become a singer. So, you know, you know, this shit this should help vamp us out for this evening. And I want to thank you all for listening to the show. I hope that you enjoyed this piece of music that, you know, it's only a one-hit wonder, you know, but definitely, you know, it's coming from my, from me truly, Lardy Miss Clardy. I'm really, really thankful to this piece of music. You know, I get to hear myself. You know, so I hope that you enjoy it. Thank you, listeners out there, for uh, tuning in. And, Brother Kevin, thank you for coming on the show and sharing. And we will see you back next week, this time Saturday, okay, at 6 p.m. And, Brother Blondie, hats off to you, Brother Man. You better be on the show ready to go for next Saturday. I ain't playing with you, okay? You know, there's no show without you, Brother Blondie. You the Wonder Man, okay? Holy Batman and Robin the YouTube. <laughs> uh, 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 yes, one one, one quick pub, uh, public service announcement. Tomorrow at three p.m. is is uh, is the Black Anti Defamation Council will hold a uh, meeting at three p.m. at eight ninety nine East Wall Street. And as a re- re- reminder, a quick Black his, uh, Black History uh, talk. Uh, today is October third. This is the fourteenth anniversary, people of O.J. Simpson's not guilty verdict of his uh, of his ex-wife, Nicole. Just want to give you all a little reminder. Thank you. You got to love him, y'all. That's Brother Blondie for you. You know, that's why he's with me, you know, because I would probably forget all these things after hearing the wonder stories that we hear each week when we're bringing on people that's going through things. But I'm certainly hoping that you will enjoy this last piece of music here coming from Lardy Miss Party Call Move With You.